Welcome to the B-Side Podcast, dedicated to country music and concert junkies. Your hosts, Stacy and Andy Best, take you behind the scenes and introduce you to the amazing fans and team that support your favorite country artist. You'll meet the talent behind the talent and hear their contributions to your live country concert experience. We're glad you're here and hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the B-Side Podcast. Today, we're fired up to talk to Ben O'Connor. He's a C-inspired independent artist and songwriter from Newport, Rhode Island. Thank you so much for joining us, Yes, ben. thank you. And thank I have you for to, having me. It's awesome. Oh, great. We're so excited to chat with you. And I just have to kick it off by telling you how we even found you. So this must have been... I would say late March, maybe early April, I was scrolling on Instagram and you know how the algorithm will just show you the types of things that you love. I follow all things, hashtag islands, hashtag country music, hashtag beach, hashtag relaxed vibe, those type of things. And that algorithm must work because I didn't search a hashtag or anything, but it just showed me a post of you uh, playing on the beach, just mm-hmm. acoustic with a couple friends, I think. And I was like, who is this guy? I think he said, that looks like the Virgin Island. I know. I said, <laughs> that looks familiar. And so then I, I clicked on your account and I'm like, who is this Ben O'Connor? And then I went to your website and love your website so much and realized that you were definitely someone that uh, we wanted to learn more about. So thank you, Instagram. Yeah. It yeah, works. well, thank you for, for taking the time to, to click in. I appreciate that. Yeah. I just can't believe we didn't cross paths while we, because we were in St. John for about three months, four months before this whole thing started with COVID. Oh, and, you were? It, yeah, I saw yeah, some we beautiful pictures. That How dreamy to be there for that long. Yeah. I know. And I wish I wish we had crossed paths at, at that time. We would have uh, loved to meet you guys in person. That, yeah, yes. we got to talk about that. Yes. But I think, uh, you know, usually how we get started with uh, people that we first meet is we really love to get into the journey of where you're from, obviously Newport, Rhode Island, but really kind of how you got your start into music, kind of the influences that you grew up with. But tell us about kind of your journey of getting into music. I'd say that like from the beginning, like the very, very first was back when I it was in 2001. It was right after the 9-11 attacks. And, and this is really where my patriotism started, I would say. And I was young. I mean, I'm 26 now. I was in first grade and I didn't understand the magnitude of what was going on in the world. I, I just I just knew that there was something bad happening. Our teachers at the time were on strike. I was at home. I've got four brothers. So we were all we we're all at home and I just remember my parents acting different. They were, they seemed very upset. And I just, I just remember seeing something happen to the place that we lived, the place where we live, something bad happened. And a lot of people were sad and upset. And so at that age, I just remember after this happening songs that came out that really spoke to me. And I, I just loved it at first grade. I just loved. And one of them was where were you in the world? Stop turning by Alan Jackson and uh, courtesy of red, white and blue by Toby Keith. Yeah. And, that song by Toby Keith was the very first song that I learned lyrically all the way through at, I don't know, first grade, I'm sitting there, no Google, no lyrics to look right. up on the internet and just kept playing back. We didn't have like a, uh, like you have today where you, once the song starts playing, you can scroll back five seconds or yeah. 10 seconds. Then it was just a, uh, like a boombox stereo kind of thing. And you had to repeat the whole song from the start. 
So I'd sit down with a piece of paper and start jotting the lyrics down. And every time I get to a certain point, I either press pause. If I miss it, I got to start over. But I, I finally got all the lyrics down. And first grade, again, I'm sitting there and just memorized it, memorized it. And it wasn't until my junior year of high school where I would learn guitar. And at that point, now it was like something, it's almost like a, compared to a video game where you unlock a level. All of a sudden, now you are entered into a whole new world of now you aren't just able to sing along and feel good, but you can now be a part of the creation and be a part of something interdimensional. I love to call it interdimensional because it's something we really can't put our finger on with music. And I think that was the, the big point for me with music was first grade. I really do. And I, we, we then came out with the nation that I know song early on, and that was a patriotic tune. And so I think that was the first part of the journey was through a tragic, tragic event through our country. And it's just made a big impact on everything that I've ever created and who I yeah. am today. So, so guitar, it sounds like obviously was your, was your first instrument, but interesting enough that you were so ingrained with the lyrics back in such an early age, were you actually writing lyrics or jotting down words like in a book, even before you picked up a guitar? Cause it sounds like that was really early on and very impactful, but you didn't pick up a guitar or an instrument until your junior year. Right. Yeah. I didn't even think I could even write a song. Had no thought of that was a thing that could be done. It was just this song came out. Brad Paisley had a song, Mud on the Tires, and he starts off singing, I got some big news. The bank finally came through. And I just right away, wow, that's a good song. And so I learned that one. And it was, and it was just singing along, like karaoke and kind of like, wow, this is, this is really cool. Like, I can do something with this. I feel a spiritual connection with this. And but I kid you not when I say like unlocking a level that you thought was never there. I didn't even think that it was possible to create. I didn't realize I even had that ability to come up with words, put it to a melody and create a song. And so that wasn't until really junior, senior year took a pretty big heartbreak to get to writing real good. So <laughs> of course, <laughs> that's how it always goes. But, yes. yeah. Very interesting. And when you mentioned, to get to the lyrics, you had to rewind the whole song. And obviously today's technology is totally different. Everything's so convenient. Obviously we yeah, downloaded right. your songs in a second. I mean, yeah, you don't yeah. have to go out to a record place or uh, a CD store. And I asked my son the other day, I said, you know, the shame is you never even bought a vinyl album. Oh, who would do that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> He plays guitar and how we started learning was get on YouTube and next yeah, thing you know, he's in great. You know, how, how did you start learning guitar? Did you take formal lessons or I guess there was internet, right? <laughs> but Well, yeah, like we, so in our house, because of how many boys that were, my parents were raising, we had dogs all over the place. We, we had a, God bless my mom. She, I'm, I'm nominating her for sainthood, but she's, she was surrounded by so much noise. And so we had this one central computer in the house and it was shared between all these different people in the house. So it was very limited in the amount of times that we could get on the computer and get on AIM. We used to, we used to instant message friends and things like that, but I didn't really use lyrics or learning from the internet at that time. It was more of kind of trial and error. see what this sounds like, but the formal learning, I did have a small short-term class in high school, my junior year with a music teacher there. He's still there, I believe Mr. Statzer. And it was, it was like the first three chords. It was like a G, a D and a C. And a buddy that played baseball with me, we, he started showing me a couple. Uh, his name's Armand, and we played baseball together. And he, he showed me a couple of new chords, and I'm like, wow, this is kind of cool. Like, this is really, really something neat. And it wasn't until a couple of months after I learned those couple of chords, I'm like, wait a minute. 
all those lyrics I've been writing down. I could start writing my own to these chords. And I kind of felt dumb for not knowing it earlier. And it was just really, really uh, like a boom, big bang moment. I would say the, the, the most of the learning came from trial and error. And like you said, definitely used YouTube and then just chord charts, just what formations make what sounds kind of thing. Yeah. And just practice your butt off. That's it. It's, <laughs> it's that formation of you're getting your arm around the neck of the guitar yeah. and it's like just relearning your muscles and everything has just, it's weird in the beginning. It's so weird, but I glad try, I, stuck I with try it. to play and uh, it hurts my fingers and it does. everyone says just get, two, three months past it, and then you'll have calluses and it'll be fine. But yeah, I just need to stick to it. But I'm glad I had the guitar because that's how Davis started playing. Well, if the guitar was TikTok, you'd be like Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> or Instagram. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'll tell you what, though, if you, get, if you love being in the ocean, it's tough because you'll, you'll develop these calluses to protect oh. The worst is on your pinky, but if you're in the water a lot, they're falling right off, uh, being uh, submerged. And I've noticed that. And I, I remember there was a show I did a couple of years ago. It turned into a five-hour acoustic set. I just kept playing. Wow. And it was, it was one of those things. It was an after party for a Brett Young concert that was in New York City. And there was a lot of people there. They were all loving the music. And I'm like, I got to be an idiot to stop right now. Everybody just kept flowing the tip jar. They kept loading it up. So I'm like, I'll play until these things bleed. Yeah, but the, the calluses are, it's tough. It really is tough. To, that's the hurdle you got to get over. And once you mm -hmm. do it, it makes it a lot easier. So. Yeah. So what point after you start learning guitar, writing songs, were you getting out there playing in front of people and actually trying to figure out that, hey, I, I think I can make a run at this or at least make some money to, to keep the, the party going, so to speak? A guy in the beginning who really believed in us big time. It was really two two big people that, that I come right to the front of my mind is Etta Villa and uh, another guy, Kevin, out in Portsmouth, the north end of the island we live on. They gave us the first opportunities to play. And the first show that we did was downtown Newport. And it was a, we decided we want to do a, a Wounded Warrior fundraiser. And it, it wasn't a ton of money that we were able to raise, but it was a good amount. It was for our first show on a 4th of July. It was uh, something to walk away from that we were proud of. It was it was really awkward. It was really weird getting up and playing for somebody for the first time. It was like, yeah. I think back on it and I'm like, I had these two laptops out in front of me. I had all the sheet music around me. <laughs> I looked like a complete, I had no clue what I was doing. I don't know. I, I think it's important to start off that in a way that, that makes you uncomfortable because it, it, it pushes you to, to be better. So you don't feel that uncomfortable next time so i mean i would say the first summer of doing it was really weird and awkward a lot of times but i felt natural i felt normal being in front of people singing to people yeah. it felt it's a weird it's a weird thing you felt awkward but you felt like you were supposed to be there kind of thing yeah were you still so, in high school at that point or is this right after high school i was graduated by then i was i yeah. think a couple of years out it's, uh, gotcha. it's, and i wasn't full-time at that point i was just kind of doing it see where this thing can take me and uh, working odd and end jobs, construction, fishing yeah. jobs, just a bunch of, bunch of things. So Right. I find it interesting, too. We talked about your guitar playing when you started, but obviously you can sing. So when you go, I think I can sing. I'm in the shower, and I like this song. And then your mom goes, <laughs> did you know you could sing that? How does that work? I've got it. I really do have an amazing group of friends, amazing family. It just like, I could not ask for anything to be different as far as support goes. And 
I just, I think it was just a constant reinforcement of when I play a couple of songs here and there, family would be like, that's really, really amazing writing or love, love that, love this. And every time I sing, I hear myself, I don't want to hear myself. I don't want to like just turn it off kind of thing, but I've kind of grown to be a little more comfortable with it. And I don't know, it was very weird at first, but I think the reinforcement from family and friends and just people saying like, yeah, I think you can do this. You could sing more. So give it a shot. Try it. Yeah. So I, I think it was definitely a little bit of bravery, a little bit of uh, uh, support. And I think it was also finding what I was meant to be here for. And that's a big thing is I try and be as open spiritually to people's energies, to, to the energy you get when doing different jobs and things. And I mean, I've worked on a fishing boat. I sold cars. I worked a construction job, did landscaping, like just endless, just doing an overnight shift at a Hyatt hotel, just tried a million different things, trial and error, a bunch of different things that I knew I wouldn't like, or maybe I would. And finally, when I started playing music, it was like, life kind of makes sense now. So mm-hmm. it, um, I think that was the driving force was, I think it was a little bit of a mixture of, of that courage to just go support. And then it was like, you know what, I think this is what I'm meant to do. So let's see where it goes. Are you the youngest, the oldest, in the middle with your brothers? The youngest is Zach. He is three and a half years younger than me. Then it's me. Then it's Jeremiah. Uh, you guys said you're into fitness. Jeremiah and Zach are both fitness trainers. And so Jeremiah opened a fitness company, Fitting, calls it Bullfrog Fit. So, uh, and then the, so we have the oldest is uh, Tom, and then there's J-Ro. And so Tom runs a, a construction landscaping company. And... I worked for him for several years, so I'm kind of right smack dab towards the middle mm-hmm. and uh, on the younger side. So I definitely got the, got the beat downs when I opened my mouth too much <laughs> kind of thing. That's uh, why I was curious. I mean, all the yeah. brothers, I can only yeah. imagine the harassing going yeah. on and, yep. and how yep. that influenced you and how you are today. It sounds yep. like, is anybody else in your family musical? Yeah, everybody. My dad actually plays a, a killer harmonica. He's really, you know, he, he's got a great line of harmonica. He always tells me if you, I can't make a gig, he said he'll fill in for me. But my, <laughs> uh, my whole family is really entrepreneurial. It's very artist based. My dad's an artist. So he's, he's anything from murals, graphic artists and pinstriping. And then all the way to, like I said, my brother, landscape design. Uh, and then the two bodybuilding guys, they're into physique. So it's all arts and everything right. and everybody's profession. And and J-Row is doing a lot of work with nature and plants and things like that. So it's, it's really cool to see everybody that's around me is in some form, some way of form in, involved with the arts. But the music specifically comes from, I think, my aunt who lives out in Seattle, Washington. Back in the day, she had a, uh, a record deal and uh, really good opportunities with music. She had some, some issues with, with her health, which kept her from being able to pursue it. But she's one of the most talented people that I know. And yeah. I mean, from her writing skills to singing to just her drive, her, her grit, her ability to, to go after it. You know, life happens sometimes. Things happen, so it keeps you from, from going after. But I think the talent level as far as the vocals and that, that feeling, if you want to call it DNA, I think may have been passed down from her. So Yeah, yeah. So talk about, uh, obviously you're an independent artist. Last year it came out with Born to Wander. Talk about, you know, how it came about. Obviously I listened to a lot of the songs, and by the way, great vibe on the album. Uh, we really enjoyed it. It's great deck vibes. Uh, I can tell you that we drank, probably drank more beer listening to that <laughs> album the other night because of that. 
you need to send me some Tylenol. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, independent artists, you got to do your own gig. I mean, you're supporting yourself. You're, you're, you're paying for studio time. You got a lot of the back end stuff. Talk, mm-hmm. Can you talk about that process, how that album came about and yeah, yeah, the process yeah. of making that? It was a very long process because I, I, I think immaturity was the biggest thing. And I say that in the sense of the artistry side there wasn't a level of professionalism or seamlessness or whatever you want to call it. it there just wasn't that, that quality that was there yet for what I wanted. Uh, and it was taking a lot of time, a lot of money. Uh, we had sponsorships and people that were able to back us and, and fund some of these projects, but it was, I say the, mat- the maturity word in the artistry sense, because it just wasn't at that point where I was ready to drop an album that represented who I was mainly because I still didn't know who I was. So for me to put an album out that didn't represent a clear picture just didn't make sense. It wasn't a good business decision. So a lot of it was self-produced. So going into it on that album particularly was, was one that I just looked at it. Like we paid for some studio time on a couple of songs in the past. I just didn't feel like I was part of the creative process enough. And I felt like being able to produce my own album and be able to mix my own songs, I was able to contribute more to the creative side and really get into just just sitting there and listening to sounds over and over. Let's add a piano line here. And so I learned piano pretty well. And then now that you know piano, you can now implement drum tracks and any different sound in the world through the piano. So it's, it's a really cool thing. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it, but it's through a, a thing that they call a MIDI channel. And so a piano plugs directly into an interface, which is then plugged into a laptop or okay. a computer that runs your software. And so on that piano, that's only sending triggers and sending these different it's basically a, a, a landmark. And from there, you can manipulate those landmarks to make them sound like saxophones or violins or trumpets or bass lines, whatever you want. So yeah. from there, the world just opened up and I was able to sit down and just, wow, I can add this. And then, then, and so it started in 2015, even though it was dropped in 2019, it was a four year long, it was just a long journey of kind of maturing and discovering what way I want to take this music. And in the beginning, I got to be honest, I was being very, I want to say not authentic with, with what I wanted and mainly because I wanted to appeal to that mainstream. I just wanted to get some songs that were going to appeal to the masses, something that you hear on radio and kind of go that route. But yeah, it's just, it's not for longevity's sake. It just didn't make sense. So it kind of really hit me a couple of years ago where I'm like, you know what, just drop that. If people don't like your music, they don't like your music. I think the process helped big time to be able to sit there and produce it, produce it myself. But I also had a couple of guys that, were a big, big part in this album. Craven, California, Born to Wander. Uh, these guys produced uh, some of the guitar lines and drum lines. So it wasn't just me on that album. It was Dave Rico and Christian Castro. They live in New Jersey. Uh, so we, but between the three of us, kind of went back and forth and did mixing. And they're an incredible, incredible talent asset on the album. So yep. it, uh, it was a lot of fun coming together. You know, what, would you say you're in a particular genre in, with your writing? I I love to just ask people what they think the genre is because I don't want to (laughs) just put it under one arena and say it's country music. But I think country music is the one genre that is, I call it the America of music genres. It's the melting pot. It just allows everything. And it, I mean, if you are a rapper, if you're a a jazz artist, a soft rock, you're welcome. And some way or another, you're welcome in country music. And, and that's what I love about it. And I think with this album, it really speaks to some of the influences I had growing up on Jack Johnson. And I'm sure you guys know Jack. And, yeah. and so he's, 
probably my favorite writer. He writes the most amazing, amazing lines. People will write an entire song that he can fit into one line. And it's just so descriptive and so unbelievable the way he's able to put his words together. Uh, that really influenced me as a, as a creator to be, to looking up to somebody like that. And then also uh, Kenny Chesney. And I grew up on Kenny. He was on the radio every day growing up, whether we were driving to school or baseball games, going to the beach, going on boats. And it resonated with us because we lived the life he was singing about. And that's just how we grew up. We grew up on boats. We grew up on boogie boards when there were high waves. And we were out on the, on the beaches all summer long. We didn't have a choice. My mom loads us up in the suburban. We're going. Get yeah. it. So it was, I think, Kenny Chesney and Jack Johnson that made the biggest difference for influences on the, on the creative side. Yeah, you don't really think since you're from Rhode Island, but you are living on an island because, you, you know, my brain takes me down south. Yeah, right. You're right. right. You're still kind of living that sort of island vibe mm-hmm. up yeah, in right. the northeast, which is yeah. <laughs> kind of throws me off a little bit. It's the, it's the it's same so true. thing as what we were feeling in the Caribbean. It's just you get three months of it without palm trees. Right, yeah. Yeah, you're living <laughs> right. it. You're living it. I like what you said about Jack Johnson and his lyrics. One of my favorite quotes is, if I had more time, I would have written a shorter letter. That Mm -hmm. always just, it's so so true. You have to be witty and clever and succinct and so many things come into play and um, true wordsmith. Yeah. Well, I think that brings us to a good segue because you mentioned Kenny Chesney, who we're a big fan of and we got a lot of stories and spent a lot of good memories listening to Kenny, watching Kenny. And Stacy, you know, you, you talked about how you found Ben on Instagram, mm-hmm. but tell me what you came to me with. So it was maybe a couple weeks later, Ben, when I stumbled on you on Instagram and started following you. Then all of a sudden there was a really neat, I'm trying ghosted to think, out? Yeah, ghosted out, kind of scratchy, really cool effects in the video. And I'm, I'm like, oh, the lyrics are written on the screen. This sounds really good. What? Okay, yeah. let me, I'm into this. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, it's called Raised on Kenny. No way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she just comes running in. You got to watch it. You got to watch it. And I'm watching it. it. It took me like the first, getting to the first course. I'm like, holy crap, that is really good. <laughs> the initial run of that to me, and to Stacy was such a great vibe. And what caught me was sort of the uh, Springsteen with Eric Church that you put some of those titles of yeah. the artists you're, you're speaking of into the song. And it's so creative. I was like, holy crap. But the, the melody, the, the vibe of it, you know, it's not only just the lyrics, but it's the whole feel of it. I was like, yeah. Oh, dude, he's got to come out with this one. This one's a hit. <laughs> I'm telling yeah. you. But talk, talk to me about Raised on Kenny. Because that's something yeah, I believe you are getting ready to release, correct? We are, yeah. We're, we're actually supposed to film a music video for it tomorrow. It's supposed to rain here, so I don't think that's going to happen. But um, we'll, we'll reschedule. But it was, a, it was a song that came together over about a two-month time period. And usually songs for me, it's, I call it a, a spiritual happening. Because it doesn't, it's not something that I think about actively while I'm writing it. Some, some writers are talented enough to sit down and have an objective. But... Some songs, most songs for me just come to me and I don't have a way to describe to you why or the, where the words came from. They just kind of hit me and I got to capitalize, make sure I record, write everything down or I'll forget them. So with this song, it was kind of a sporadic moments like that. It wasn't happening all at once. And I would write two quarters, uh, two or three quarters of the, of the verse of the first verse. And I'm like, this is killer. I love it. 
but I, I don't want to keep writing it because I'm now forcing it. So I would stop and then wait for the next creative muse to hit. It was about two months and we finally finished the whole writing on the beach in St. John. It was about, I think like eight o'clock I was with my lady Olivia and we were sitting on the beach and I'm just thinking it's eight o'clock. It's getting dark. Bugs are coming out. We cannot leave the beach until this song is done. We've got to finish it. <laughs> and I, I was like, this is a perfect place, perfect time to do it. And full moon's a beautiful night. We had the whole beach to ourselves and we just sat there till like almost 11 o'clock and finished that final verse. And I really speak pretty, I mean, the both of us wrote the final verse, Livia and I, and it's very literal. We're talking about how we're now by the sea, me and you, sweetheart, living out, be as you are. And, yeah. and those songs are written on those beaches by Kenny. And it's so, like, again, it's such a spiritual happening. I didn't think about putting those words down. It just came to me and it came, it came out. That's it. So it was really probably my favorite experience of writing a song was putting that thing together. And uh, I would say it's probably my favorite now to play. It's just, it's got so much energy into it. And I feel like Kenny holds a song or an album for every chapter of our lives growing up. I mean, I, if a song plays on the radio and it's by Kenny, I'm right away taken to a certain time in my life where that song came out and I was there. So he's, I mean, he's gotten me through heartbreaks. He's gotten me through jobs that I didn't want to go to anymore. He's gotten me through the hardest, darkest times to the brightest, happiest times. So it's, it's something really profound, I think, for an artist to do that. And now as an artist myself, I feel like it's almost owed and it's almost, I, I want to pay that back in a sense where I think it's a song where his audience will just, they'll love it. They'll love it. And I think it just pays so much, so much love and respect to the, to the legacy that Kenny's leaving to this world because a hundred, 200, 300 years from now, I firmly believe his music will be played. And, uh, and I think that this song is a, just a reinforcement of the impact that he makes on everybody, including you guys. Yeah, so. definitely there's a connection there. And it's so good that you felt that connection with him to be, to be able to be inspired to write a song like that and mm. really kind of bring out the energy in you to a song. I'm so interested and can't wait for the final version to come out because i've watched the acoustic version which i love so much because it's kind of stripped down yeah just you, know, raw, you just yeah. feel you it's raw uh of how you got to your final version mm -hmm. but what do you plan on throwing that out to the general masses i don't want to say a hundred percent but we're thinking like the third week of september right now and it, it just depends on a couple of little things, but we've got a, it might get pushed back a little, but we're finalizing the track today. Very good friend of ours in Jersey right now is working on it. And uh, his name's Dave Rico and he's producing this song. And this for the first time, he, Dave called me and he's like, Hey man, I think I can produce this solo. He's like, just let me do my thing. And, and that's a big step for me because I haven't let somebody take over the creative process. And right. so I kind of gave him the, if you, compare it to building a house kind of just poured the foundation <laughs> and kind of put some studs up and and then now he's putting the drywall and interior design in there so it's like he, he's doing a lot of work on that song and the lyrics were there the acoustic guitar is there for him but now right. he's going in and creating drum lines and creating a lot of different things that are coming from another mind and we've right. worked with get with each other for a while so it's going to be it's such an amazing song the way that he's put it together, such an amazing job that he's done on it. And I would not, he sent me some preliminary tracks. So I'll, I'll, I'll definitely share that with you guys ahead of time. So you can take a, take a listen, but 
it's not anything I could have come up with by myself. Yeah. So it's something I'm real excited about. And Ben, you're talking about just wrapping it up, the writing on the beach. And mm -hmm. I got goosebumps thinking about that because that is very cool. Also, there, everyone needs to go and check out Ben's Instagram because you have a clip there. You have a post mm -hmm. where it's snippets of you actually, I think, right? Um, yes, yes. Writing it. You're playing guitar and you're, you know. Yeah, talking about trying the to figure it out. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. very cool. Well, then you can go that. see the actual uh, sort of the stripped down version that we was working on. Yes. Plus, there's some acoustic cuts on there, which are fantastic as well. Thank so you, you thank definitely got that. I actually wanted to mention to you guys because you know Kenny well, you know his songs well, and my brother is a is, is a Kenny fanatic too, and, and he he started sending me because I sent him the, the acoustic side, and I was like, see how many songs that you can pick out of that, how many songs and references that you can pick out because. Because we sat there and the only deliberate part of that song is we wanted to use as many song titles and references as we could. Yeah. But not in a, in a cheap way. We wanted to do it in a, in a, in a tasteful way. It had to say, like, tell the story. And, and we were able to fit 26 total songs or song references. So just his song, Boats. We used the word boats at a strategic time in the song to really yeah. reference that song. And so it's just, again, it's one of those things where true Kenny fans are going to love this thing because of how many references and how accurately I think, I think we really did a, a pretty decent job of, of reflecting Kenny's music in the lyrical sense. So yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think a lot of Kenny fans will definitely, definitely dig it. Yeah. Lyrics, but also like the vibe of the acoustic version too mm -hmm. draws you in because it's so, it just, it's just so good. So <laughs> again, can't wait. Appreciate was, it. Thank you. I mean, just living out be as you are. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what? The, the final chorus, I was just going to repeat the chorus. You know what it does is when the song's over, you didn't get that third chorus, so it makes you hit back and play it again. <laughs> so it's like, it's one of those things where we're at the end of the chorus, and I was like, there's, there's an opportunity here to really tell more of a story. And when he came out with his song, Better Boat, we were like in, just in a time where I was getting, I was finishing up a contract in New York City, a residency. A lot of life changes were happening. It was kind of, kind of down in the dumps for a little while and just trying to figure out where I was going and what I was doing. And he dropped Better Boat and it just hit me yeah. and might've shed a couple of tears. I'm not going to lie, but it's, uh, it was one of those songs where it was like, wow, like I've, I resonate with that boat metaphor so much. And I, I feel like every soul on this planet is a perfect reflection of a sailboat and we're all in our own little boats trying to figure out where we're going next and when he came out with that song it, it just hit me and i felt like in that final chorus or verse or whatever we want to call it it was an opportunity to really dig a little more into how profoundly he's he's impacted me personally so yeah what beach were you on when you were writing the song? I believe it was Trunk. I believe it was Trunk, Trunk Bay. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah. Love yeah. It. We, were a little, we were a little tight with cash, and, and I know that they were charging during the day, so we went to Cinnamon during the day, and then we went to Trunk at night. So <laughs> <laughs> we worked our way around. It's very, you have to do that over there. I hear you. You got it. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about the Virgin Islands. I, I assume that, as you mentioned, a... Kenny wrote a lot of songs there. We now know that you have too, but how did you first make your way over to St. John and, and what does it mean to you? 
it's kind of a, another profound experience. Unfortunately, my girlfriend's grandmother passed away about a year and a half ago, uh, maybe a little bit more than that now. And, and so her mother, it was her mom's mom. And when she passed, she, she left a message to her mom to do one nice thing for everybody in your life that you love. And so her mom, a beautiful soul, decided to not just take us to just get a coffee, which would have been more than enough, and just sit down and hang out. But she, she surprised us with a, a Christmas gift, which was a trip to the Virgin Islands, just the two of us, me and Olivia. Wow. And, and that was her way of doing something nice for the people that she loves. So it was really, that was just the, the most amazing thing that, that someone could do and not just, just do something to get by or just do something quick. It was so, so nice of her. And uh, we were there for, on St. Thomas for a week, St. John for a week. After two weeks of being there, both of us looked at each other. We were like, we got to come back next year. We got to spend longer than that because yeah. we're dead in the off season. We don't do anything for shows. We're just planning out our year for the off season. And so we're like, you know what? If we can do it for the same cost as what we're doing and paying for a Newport, let's just live in the Virgin Islands for six months while it's quiet up north and then kind of snowbird it and just go back up north when it's nice. So uh, it was working until the world decided to collapse. So yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. as soon as yeah. COVID started, we just decided to get back. So, so on the islands, were you, did you have some side jobs? Were you playing at all or was it just, you just had enough cash because you, you kind of work uh, for six months, have some contracts playing and then like you said you're on your downtime so you just spend your money wisely during that downtime while you're rescheduling for the next year yeah it's that definitely is the that was the short-term plan not not so much long-term i want to get more into touring now and getting to traveling and doing a lot more with military and and kind of paying that back but a lot of it was just the thought of we're not going to be doing much this winter in the sense of shows newport shuts down pretty much doesn't shut down but it just gets very quiet yeah and it it's not a a place for music to be very prosperous because it's an outdoor environment up here. So once June hits, it's great until the end of the year, even during Christmas time. So once we got down to St. John, it was more of a, let's just, let's just dig into our planning. Cause we had a great year. 2019 was an awesome year for shows for profits. It was an awesome, awesome year. So most of the work comes from planning and it's crazy because it's, and that's the time you're not getting paid. And so yeah. you'll do three to four months of work that is completely unpaid. And then all of a sudden August hits and you're just making more than you had ever imagined. Oh my God, look what's coming in now. So it's good and bad in a sense. Yeah. I think during those, those three or four months that we were down there, we just looked at it as an opportunity to really get into our creative mindset yeah. and, and just dig in. So now does Olivia also write and play music? Yeah. Yeah. No, she's a, she's an artist. She's an amazing creator. She, uh, she does murals. She just did a mural in Newport, a cafe, pretty big size, I think about 15 foot wall, but she's, she's very, very creative and she likes to say she, she's not a writer, but I, I think she is. Yeah. And every time I've got a song, like on the song suburban and you had mentioned suburban being one that you liked in the album, that this is something I, again, could not have done alone where it got to a level where, wow, it's now profound to the point where I, I'm visually seeing that truck from this song. Yeah. And she wrote a good portion of the final part of that song. And so she does write. We'll sit down and usually the, the lines for the both of us come at like two or three in the morning. So yeah. we, uh, we definitely write together. 
you know, you mentioned the downtime in Newport and told you we spent a lot of time in Nashville and certainly there's a lot of talent in Nashville. Again, we're not <laughs> professionals. We just, we just hear the information we're and professional stuff. Professional fans. Professional fans. <laughs> yeah, I love that. But, you know, as a musician, do you feel being in Rhode Island is, do you use that to your advantage maybe? Or do you feel like eventually you need to get to a place like, I know you spent some time in California, it sounds like, Nashville, mm-hmm. or obviously they mentioned you know, maybe New York, since that's a little bit closer to you. But as a musician, how do you feel about that? Do you think at some point you need to get to somewhere like that? Or do you like where you're at because of maybe the vibe and the creativity process that you go through is, is probably better suited in, in where you're at now versus maybe one of those cities? I, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's more of just letting it happen as it goes and, and playing it by ear in, in a sense. The expectation, I think, for the industry is you got to move to Nashville, New York, or L.A. in order to make it. And I just don't, I don't think that's true. I really don't. I think it's, a, it's definitely, those are, those are markets that need to be paid attention to. And I have a tremendous, tremendous amount of respect for people that move down there and do that grind. It's an unbelievable grind. And, but I just think for the path that I want to take and the one that I feel is most natural to me is on the move and wherever that may take us and keeping the door open and not saying definitively which path we take. I think it's more just play it by air a little bit. But I got to say, and I don't mean this in a bad sense, but I, I really feel like I'm from the best small town in America. I really do. And it's, it's filled with the best people that I could ask for. The support is overwhelming. We had an album release event and uh, it was at a, a hotel ballroom and packed in, sold way more than we thought we were going to sell. And it was just from community support, people banding together and say, hey, we got this local guy coming out with some music. And we promoted the heck out of it, but it really got to the point where I saw so many faces that are in town that, my God, you didn't have to come here tonight. And they had a lot of other things they could have been at, and they decided to come out. So it's just 400 people to pack into a room at a hotel in November. It was really, it just struck me deep. And I I just, it's reinforced constantly. But I mean, it's not a place where I say I want to leave, but I just know that I'm not creative and I'm not feeling like I'm progressive when I'm still. So it's not. It's not the fault of Newport. It's not the fault of Rhode Island or New York, wherever I may move, but it's just the fault of being still. I can't, I can't take it. I got to move. I got to be on the move. And so this has been a test of patience with this lockdown. We didn't dig into all the songs on Born to Wander, but the vibe behind it is so amazing. And I'm glad you've taken the path you have. Looking forward to the, the growth of the songs that you're going to come out. And particularly uh, raised on Kenny, it's that's going to be yeah, fantastic. Thank you. What does success in normal times? So once we get past the pandemic, what does success look like for you as an artist? Uh, I think visually, what comes to mind is a soldier coming up to me and holding my hand and not letting it go, shaking me and shaking my hand and just saying to me how much of a, a peaceful moment that I brought him in a three-minute song. I think that it just completely destroys any monetary amount that I could gain from music. I'm not doing this for billboards or top charting playlisting. I'm doing it because it's spiritually fulfilling. It, it just answers the question of why I'm here. And we did have a show in New York City where it was Pride Week in New York City at the same time that it was Cowboy Rodeo Week in New York City. And so you had these demographics that were completely mixed, totally different. And and I'm somebody that is, I just try to stand in the middle and I don't like to talk politics. I don't like to talk about that stuff, but I, I feel like a song that we've come out with called Nation That I Know is a song that stands in the middle. It stands for our soldiers. It stands for people that have given it up. 
I think success is for me, uniting people, bringing those separate demographics together. I don't think, when I think of success, I don't think of myself living in Bel Air or, or a mansion somewhere, a big yacht. I mean, it, it'd be nice to live on a boat. I'd love to live on a boat, but it's, it's secondary to the, the message of the, the music. So yeah, I'd like to get the handshake and a couple of tears from somebody who says that this is something that, that made a huge difference to them. That's, that's really all I'm looking for. So yeah. Beautiful. What's next for you outside of making a video, the release of Raised on Kenny? Uh, anything else you got going on? Yeah, we got, we've got this Raised on Kenny song. We've got a song that we worked on. It's been a long project, but it's, uh, again, it's a maturity thing as far as the artistry goes. And I didn't want to release the song before it was ready to be released. And it's called Above the Dixie. And I grew up up here above that Mason-Dixon line. And we grew up in not only a, a boating community and they call it the sail capital of the world, but we also had Silverados stuck in the mud every time it rained out. So uh, we played high school football. We went to church on Sunday and every single thing in country music was how we lived. And so now, again, once I got to that point where I'm able to write and be a part of this creative process, I was right away. I was like, well, I got to write a song about how we also live country above the Mason Dixon line. Cause I haven't heard anything like that. And yeah, it's I just, totally uh, unique. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I got a lot of buddies in New York city, Boston, and they live the same life They're, I mean, they're riding the Metro to work, but they grew up with trucks and they long for it again. So there's a lot of country spirits above that Mason Dixon line. So it's, it's not to, to cancel out country down South, but it's just to say, you know what? We're, uh, we're pretty good at living country up here, too. So. There, yeah, living country, it's in a lot of places. And it, it's a little bit more eye-opening when you're saying that. I was like, yeah, I, I don't really think in that terms because they always think south, you know, yeah. and shame on me. But, but <laughs> by, by the amount of sellouts on tours with country artists, obviously we talk about Kenny all around the country, you realize that there's a lot of country fans uh, yeah. in all corners of the United States and across the world with so. the lifestyle too i mean even in michigan i tease him all the time so fine so he's from kentucky but it's way more city oh than yeah all you gotta do up. is go to faster oh, horses festival and there that's oh. where i grew up right yeah. there yeah. and it is country fantastic <laughs> yeah duh. you know we wish you all the success and again not to beat a dead horse but uh, i'm super excited for uh, raised on Kane to come out we already i uh, love it love it so we need everybody to go check out Born to Wander in the meantime. And so where can everybody find you, Ben? So on uh, Instagram, I, I really, right now we're kind of adjusting where social media, there's so many platforms and you got to keep up with stories and now they're bringing in reels and TikTok this. It's just, there's so many things. So I, I really wanted to hone in and I, again, it's not about billboards for us. It's more so let's build a, a group of people that just love music and life and love. And so a lot of the music and a lot of the news that we're going to drop is directly right on the website at just benoconnormusic.com. And you can follow us along there. And then I, we are on Instagram. I'm definitely, I post to Instagram, I post to Facebook, but we're kind of, I'm slowly making that transition to make the website itself place where people can get the, the most up-to-date, download the song, stream the music. We're, we're going to do free giveaways. You can see the music when it drops first on the website. So, But Ben O'Connor Music will also take you to the Facebook page, the Instagram, the Twitter. So it's uniform all the way across. So, Got it. And the website is so – it's really well done. It's really, really Thank great. Mm -hmm. Looks Thanks. great. Thanks. Appreciate that. I, I, I just get your vibe the second you land on that homepage. It's good stuff. Awesome. Good, good. I don't have any testers to be able to tell me what is good and what's not. So I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, she's created a couple of different websites and then you can probably go to some of our, our pages, but that's all by her. She edits all this stuff. She's, nice. she's definitely the go-getter of this whole crew here. <laughs> uh, yeah. I listen to, to, I listen to your podcast with the, with the bassist and, and uh, check the website out. Your platform is so clean. So just, just well-organized. And I, I'm definitely going to push you guys to, to our audience too. So people can listen to you because you're, you're a great, great channel and outlet especially right now with so much negativity and so much bombardment of noise yeah. where it's like i listened to that whole thing through and through that podcast with the basis and it was just a breath of fresh air of positivity and just real life things not just news and and explosions and craziness going on in your yeah. head so it was uh it was great thank you again so much ben for joining us we really enjoyed learning more about your journey and can't wait to see what you come out with next Thank you so much. You guys are uh, true music lovers and to, to hear your perspective has been awesome. So it's a breath of fresh air to talk to you guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care. Thanks for listening to the B-Side Podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we love feedback. So ratings and reviews are appreciated. 